I'd like to begin by welcoming any visitors who might be with us today. We're always happy to have visitors with us, and certainly uh, you're welcome to come back and worship with us at any time. I'd like to talk this morning about what I will call the greatest gift, the gift that we receive at every Mass of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I'd like to ask you to do a little mental work with me here as we begin this morning. I'd like you to think about someone in your life, someone who is very important to you, a loved one. It could be a family member, it could be a friend, someone you know. And I'd like you to think about the greatest gift that you could give to that person. What would it be? You are going to give the greatest possible gift that you could possibly think of. What would that gift be for that person? Ponder that for just a moment. We know that there are people in our world who do amazing things, like donating a gift of life to someone. People have donated organs to people who were in need. Uh, donating a kidney to someone who is in need of a kidney transplant is a wonderful gift of life. Or it might be the gift of a legacy. I read a story in the news just a few weeks ago about a grandfather here locally who had a love for playing the violin. And he wanted to pass that love of music on to his grandchildren. And so over the course of several years, he handcrafted a violin for each one of his grandchildren, including the one who was still a baby in someone's arms. I think there were 11 grandchildren, if I remember right. A beautiful, wonderful gift, a legacy for his grandchildren. Or that gift might be a painting, or a story, or a tapestry, or a song. All kinds of ideas probably running through your head as you think about what that gift might be. When our first reading this morning from the book of Kings, Naaman the Syrian receives a wonderful gift, a gift of healing of the disease of leprosy. Now, Naaman was a very influential person in his time. He was the commander of the king's army. And the part of the story that we don't get, I'm going to fill in for you just a little bit here. Um, in Jesus' time, of course, leprosy was a very bad thing. And people who had leprosy were considered unclean. And so they were kept away from the general population. People stayed away from those who had leprosy. And Naaman brings a servant girl into his home. And that servant girl is the one who identifies this leprosy and that there might be a cure for Naaman and advises him to consider seeking out Elisha the prophet to be healed of that leprosy. And so Naaman goes to the king and he seeks the king's blessing and receives that. And he gets letters and gifts from the king to bring to Elisha the prophet. And that's sort of where we pick up the story here today. Now Naaman is told by Elisha the prophet to go into the Jordan River and to wash seven times. And Naaman is thinking, this doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't seem like the way to do things. And so he resists that healing. And after some convincing by some of his retinue, he decides to go forward and, of course, washes in the Jordan River seven times and is healed of his leprosy. And we read that his skin was like that of a child. What an amazing and powerful gift Naaman received through the hand of God 
and the prophet Elisha. Well, in our gospel story today, Jesus heals 10 lepers. A beautiful story. Jesus sees the lepers. They cry out to him, Jesus, have pity on us. And he looks at them and he sees that they're afflicted and he wants to heal them. And so he does. And 10 lepers are healed and only one comes back and thanks Jesus for this great gift. What would it be like in your life or in mine if God were to heal us from that thing in our life that is causing us the most pain and the most difficulty? It might be a physical affliction. It could be an emotional affliction or a spiritual one, a pain or sickness that is causing us difficulty in our lives. What would it be like if Jesus healed that in our lives? My brothers and sisters, Jesus wants to give us the greatest gift, a gift greater than the healing of the lepers that we read about today in our gospel story, a gift greater than anything you or I could do for one of our brothers and sisters. That gift is his very body and blood that we receive in the Eucharist. As we've gone on in these last few months and we've talked about the Mass, today we want to talk a little bit more about how to receive this greatest gift most worthily at every Mass. And the Church requires three things of us in order to worthily receive the Eucharist. And the first one is very simple, but we might, we might forget about it sometimes. And that is a fast. We're required to fast for one hour before we receive the Eucharist. Now, in our modern day, most of our Masses last about one hour. And so even if you are having breakfast close in time to when you leave the house, chances are good that you will still make that one hour fast. But it's still important for us to be mindful of that to be thinking about the fact that we're not taking any food or anything into our bodies one hour before we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. The second condition is that we be free of mortal sin. This gift is so amazing and so wonderful that we don't want anything to block our reception of all that Jesus wants to give us. Now, this is a little bit of a tricky area, and I don't want to go into a long side trip about mortal sin this morning, but I want to suggest to you that if you are aware of a serious sin in your heart, that you go to confession and you confess that sin to the priest. And in that confession, you can receive some counsel and, and the priest can kind of help you sort out that sin. But it's very important that we are aware of serious sin in our lives, that we go to confession before we receive the Eucharist. And finally, we have the right intention that we receive Jesus in the Eucharist with an open heart. So important. Well, what gets in the way sometimes of us receiving Jesus worthily in the Eucharist other than these three things I just mentioned? And sometimes it's our inability to fully believe and understand what the church teaches about the Eucharist. And that is, again, that what we receive is nothing less than the very body and blood of Christ. There's recent research that's pretty alarming, Pew Research, that shows that only 31% of Catholics believe in transubstantiation. 
Now, we've talked about this recently, but let's review. Transubstantiation means that when the priest stands in persona Christi, in the person of Christ at the altar, and prays that prayer of consecration over the gifts of bread and wine, that there is a change in those gifts, in their substance. They become something different. They become the body and blood of Christ. We won't notice any different in in the look of them, in the taste of them, but we understand and believe by faith that we are receiving the body and blood of Christ. And so if only 31% of Catholics believe in transubstantiation, that means that 69% of Catholics believe that the Eucharist that we receive is merely a symbol, merely a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. So how can we help those who do not believe? Or maybe in your own heart you're struggling with this or wrestling with this as a question. Well, let's go back to the Last Supper. Jesus sat at table with his disciples. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took the chalice filled with wine, and he said the blessing, and he passed it around the table and said, Take this and drink. This is my blood. Those words come right out of Scripture, and we can go back and review them over and over and over again. And then Jesus did one more thing. He appointed Peter to be the rock upon which he would build the church. And if you remember that story, After the resurrection, when Jesus met the disciples at Seaside, and he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And then he instructed Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. My brothers and sisters, Jesus feeds us at every Mass with his body and blood. It is a gift that we do not deserve. It is a gift that we cannot merit. It is freely given at every Mass. The graces and blessings that flow from this are numerous, numerous. We receive sanctifying grace. We become closer to Jesus through our reception of the Eucharist. There's a protection against sin in our lives, especially mortal sin. And there is a remission of venial sins that we might commit. And so this morning, I want to encourage all of us to be ambassadors to spread the word about this great gift of the Eucharist that we receive at every Mass, what it means for our lives here on earth and what it means for our life to come in eternity. Let no one be unbelieving, but believe. Amen.